Good morning, everybody. How are you? It's great to see you. It's, we're going to have a really, really great day after service today. We're going to have a lot of sports, a lot of fun, a lot of picnics, a lot of food to eat. And uh, if, you've, uh, if you're new here today, we've been doing a series on the book of Jonah. My name is Gio Garces. I'm the evangelist of the Shoreline Church of Christ. And we've been kind of just doing a, a, you know, a chapter-by-chapter study of what God desires for our lives. And uh, Jonah's a very, very uh, uh, inspiring, but yet a really great look at even godly people doing ungodly things. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you can relate to that as a Christian. Yeah. Uh, I just want to go over a little bit of the overview of the book again. Uh, again, this book is dated uh, about the 780 to 740 BC period. And it was a time when there was a monarchy. That's a king that was ruling over the, for God's people. And uh, it was expanding and uh, on, uh, on the northern side of the, uh, the, the people of Israel, there was a, uh, a nation growing in power. And later on in history, we know that's the Assyrian Empire. And some of the prophets uh, that lived during the time of Jonah were also Amos and Hosea. And they preached certain messages to, the, to God's people. The book of Jonah, in the location, it's a, it's a pagan city called Nineveh. It was not the place where God's people resided. It was a place outside of that. And the purpose was for God to send Jonah, one of God's prophets, to these pagans, to these, these people, to deliver a message. Because God's all, his, his intention has always been that all nations are welcome to Him. His love and His teaching of forgiveness is to all peoples, not just the, the Israelites. Here's a little map of the area. The Israelites were down here. Uh, in this area here, there was two, two uh, parts of the, of the monarchy in time. It was the north and the south, and the Assyrians are right over here. Nineveh's right about there. This is the, kind of the, the empire of the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians took over that, and the book of Daniel, and there's a great history there of, of um, God's people in times where they have turned their hearts away from God, and God is calling His people to repentance. And he reminds them, can you guys see this slide? I'm going to back up a little bit. He reminds them of their mission. Even in the Old Testament, their mission was to be a light to the Gentiles, to show them the way, to preach to all nations God's mercy and forgiveness. We also see that in the New Testament as Jesus is one of the last words to his disciples were, go into all nations and make disciples. You know, there's a lot of lessons learned. And there's a great connection with Jonah and Jesus. Jesus refers to Jonah. That he'll be in the belly of a fish for three days, and he'll be in the earth for three days. And he also says something else, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. You know, it's a narrative about Jonah's relationship with God. This could be the same narrative about your relationship with God. When God calls you to something, are you obedient to that? It's different from all the other books. You know, Jonah should be the hero, but he's not. The book teaches us a lesson by using sensational 
and dramatic images. Imagine a big fish swallowing a man. People think that's a, like a fairy tale story. Jesus says it happened. The question is in the book of Jonah is, is, do we love everyone the way God loves everyone? So let's start in the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Let's continue our, Amen, our series. In verse 1. So in verse chapter 1, he gets a call from God. He doesn't like it. He runs away. Chapter 2, God humbles him, and he, he's on the ship. He's, it's, it's tossed in the ocean. He jumps out because, okay, it's better to die than to do God's mission. Then God gets a fish. And then inside the fish, Jonah wants to change his heart. And he does. And says, okay, I'm going to do it. And so the fish vomits him on the shore. And then he has to walk all the way over to Nineveh. And he runs away from God. And Jonah 1, he runs toward God in Jonah 2. And this was our memory verse in Jonah 2 was, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And so we, we pick up. The account in, ver in chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I will give you. You know, I love God. I love the fact that God always gives us second chances. Amen. God wants us to have second chances. Amen. Because God is a God of second chances. You know, God gave Elijah a second chance when he ran from Jezebel. He got a second chance. You know, God gave, uh, Jesus gave the blind man not just one touch, because he was blind. I, I see like, it's like trees. He gave him a second touch. Right. Yeah. When Abraham fled to Egypt, he lied that this woman was his wife. And God gave him a second chance. You know, Jacob lied to his father Isaac, deceived him. But God gave him a second chance. You know, Moses killed a man in Egypt. And then he led of all of Israel. God is a God of second chances. Peter denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah. You can make an argument there. God offers us opportunity after opportunity to learn and to serve him. And we need to be thankful that God is very patient with us. Amen. He is more patient with us than we are with others. Yeah. We love when God's patient with us. But if, 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 if we turn around and we are the ones, we're impatient with other people. That's and that's the parable of the unmerciful servant. God is more patient. However these encouraging examples are, they must never be used as an excuse to keep sinning. God is a God of mercy and compassion. Yeah. But He's also a God that there's going to be consequences to our lives. Right. The person who says, I can go ahead and sin because I know the Lord will forgive me, has no understanding how awful sin is and how holy God is. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared, Psalm 130, verse 4. You know, God loves to forgive, but God expects us to change. Right. We just like the forgiveness part. Yeah. We don't like the change part. Yeah. So in verse 3, Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh. Amen. 
Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days to go around. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Or Nineveh will be overturned. What a message. Jonah goes and obeys God. It's a big city. It's got two circular walls. Takes three days to go around. And on the first day, Jonah says, 40 days. And your city will be destroyed. Let's talk about how you react to difficult things. How do you as a Christian react to a difficult message? You know, didn't, Nineveh didn't even know Jonah. They barely knew God. Hell is real. I haven't done a, a sermon on that in a while, but it's good to know the fact that hell is a very real place. And people who do not have an obedient, I notice obedient relationship with God, they end up going there. How do you respond when you hear difficult things? One reaction we tend to go is you're judging me. That's our trump card to knock it off. I don't want to hear your message. 40 days and the city will be overturned. Let's look at God here for a second. God says to his own people, I take no pleasure, and people are in exile and captivity, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. We've got to understand that about God. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die O house of Israel. See, on one, one part, God takes no pleasure in having to punish us for our, our sins. The same way you take no pleasure in having to discipline your children. You guys understand that concept? We don't take pleasure in that, but it's got to be done, right? And in the New Testament, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. How do you respond when you hear difficult things about you? How do you respond? Let me give you some typical responses. We get defensive. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. What's the problem there? Humility is absent. You cannot see it because you're prideful and not humble. And so you're defending yourself constantly. Unwilling to listen. Second one is, oh, yeah, bro, bro. Yeah, I get it, bro. You're so right. I'm cut. I get it. Man. Cry. We look somber, but obedience is absent. That's false humility. I'm going to show to myself be humble, but I'm not naturally changing. False humility. Here's another one. I'm overwhelmed, bro. 
I can't handle the situation. It's too much. Repentance is absent. Relying on God is absent. Well, bro, I'm discouraged. Bro, I'm just discouraged in my life. I'm discouraged. Faith is absent. You've not struggled to the point of shedding your blood. So knock it off. Your life does not compare to our brothers and sisters in the first century. Not even close. And we act like, I'm just discouraged. Hey, how about having your family butchered? That's discouraging. How about having all your property confiscated? That's pretty discouraging by the city. And we walk around like we're martyrs. You walk around like, I've been, my life is tough. I got three kids. <laughs> we talk that way. What's absent is faith. I've said those things. I'm overwhelmed. I got two kids, man. I got one-on-one coverage. I got man-to-man. I got one adult per kid. What happens to me? My faith is absent. I don't have faith. I'm faithless. You know, a beautiful college student comes to a young professor's office. She glances down the hall, closes his door, and says to the, to the professor, I would do anything to pass this exam. She leans in closer to him and flips her hair back and gazes meaningfully into his eyes. I mean, she whispers, I'll do anything. He returns her gaze, anything? Yes, anything. His voice turns to a whisper. Would you study? (laughs) You know, we have many, many elaborate ways to going around repenting, to going around changing. We try to manipulate. We try to avoid what's really in front of us is us repenting. And what's facing the Ninevites is a radical message from God saying, you better change or you'll be destroyed. That is the message. And sometimes that message is good for you to hear. Yeah. It's true. That there is a consequence and it is real. And it is serious. And in verse 5, After the Ninevites hear a message like that, 40 days, if you don't change, you'll be destroyed. The Ninevites all all grabbed Jonah and stoned him. No, that was not the response. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. You know, later on in history... These same people destroy the the northern part of the kingdom of Samaria because God was trying to get his people to change and they didn't. And these very same people right here, the next generation, 37 years later, when a new batch of Assyrians raise up, they go and attack Israel. These Ninevites believed God. They believed the message that came out of Jonah's mouth. They believed it. 
And they accepted what he was saying was true. How are you at accepting difficult message? How are you accepting this message? How are you accepting a conversation where you're challenged from the scriptures Amen. on where you're at? And verse 6, when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Let's just take a quick glance at that picture right there. A king sits up and puts on, the sackcloth is what they kept the grain in. You see those when you, you know those big bag of potatoes, you know, you get sackcloth? Mm -hmm. He puts that on him, takes off his robe and puts on a sackcloth. And goes and sits in the dust. What he's trying to tell God is, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And I'm changing. Amen. He took off his clothes. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not perish. This is the leader. Amen. The king and his nobles. They take off their clothes. That's like looking at the president of the United States. Taking off his suit and tie. And wearing a sackcloth and walking around and telling everyone, turn to God. He doesn't care what, what's right religiously or not. The king doesn't care. He's got a pantheon of gods he worships. He's saying, this message from this man about the one God, we need to respond to this. That's what he's saying. Amen. How are you responding to God? How are you responding to the scriptures? A lot of times, we want to make the standard someone else. Well, they're not doing it. They're not the standard. That's not what you'll be judged on. You'll be judged on the word. Not someone else. And we love to compare our Christianity to someone who's not as committed. But you'll be judged by the word. Let's talk about what repentance looks like. Here's, a, here's what the Bible describes the heart of someone who repents. Earnest. Eager. Indignant. Not about others, but himself. Amen. A lot of times we're good at that. I'm indignant, bro. You're late to church. I'm indignant. I'm indignant, bro. About yourself. You're alarmed. You're going, whoa, you see that in me? Bro, that's, I'm alarmed. But you even said that. It's in my heart. Longing. Man, I want so much to, to change and grow. 
Readiness. I'm ready to hear, bro. You got more to say? Let's, let's talk some more. I want to get this. That's what repentance look like, looks like. That's the heart of someone who wants to change. Because there is a judgment and you ought to be fearful of it. I don't know a lot of sermons like this, but this one's a good one. Because it's in the, it's in the context. But God does not play church. Amen. Don't think you're, you're right with God because you come to church. If that's the case, then we worship a different God. That's not the God of the Bible. Well, what's incredible is that the Assyrians were such violent and cruel people that they actually got scared of Jonah and his message. Can you imagine that? Seeing the scariest, meanest, roughest, toughest God say, 40 days you don't repent, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it to heaven. And he changes. That's astonishing Amen. for people like that who are so cruel. So the question I had when I did this study was, what does Jesus think about this? That's what Jesus says. He's talking to the, to the, to, to the Pharisees, to religious people. He says, the men of Nineveh, the men in Jonah, right, who we're talking about, that king and his people and all, the, all those people, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Wow. He's talking about these people, these Ninevites, who came in contact with Jonah. And Jesus says, they will stand in judgment and condemn those who do not respond to my message. That's intense. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now the, the greater than Jonah is here. Yeah. That is what Jesus thinks about the book of Jonah. Amen. Do you repent? Which means to change. Yeah. It's not an emotional repentance. It's a decision followed by action. The pagans of Nineveh will stand up in judgment. I wonder what that's going to look like. If they can change, anyone can change. If you think you're hard-hearted, they are even harder than you. They are hard-hearted people. And they responded. That's what Jesus thinks about the men of Nineveh. Pretty intense. Yeah. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. You know, God is keenly aware when you change. God is aware of it. God notices it. He notices when you turn and change. As much as rich as he is in consequence, and in this, in this context, he was going to destroy the city, he is filled with compassion and mercy. He is the perfect balance. We're not, right? 
We're, we show mercy, and then we show no mercy. Mm -hmm. And it's imbalanced. Right. Not God. God is rich in compassion. His love is abounding. He is amazing. He wants everyone to make it. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Everyone. He wants no one to, uh, to, to not make it. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. Amen. He doesn't want that. Right. He wants you. And what that means for us is that we must follow the example of the Ninevites. Amen. Yep. And when we hear a difficult message that we repent we don't see in the text any excuses, any defensiveness, any false humility, any discouragement. What we see is a godly response to God. Because yeah. when we run with God, we must be, a, we must be the people of repentance. Yep. That's how you run with God. We're constantly aware of our need to change. Yeah. Running with God. Jonah 1 ran away. Jonah 2 ran toward. Jonah 3 we run with. And you may be thinking, that's a pretty good lesson. But here's my charge to you. Go into the city. Amen. We got Bible talks coming up in the fall. Yeah. Awesome. Go into the city. And you preach to your city. Amen. It may take you more than three days. But you preach to your city about God. You share about God. That's what God is telling the nation of Israel, this is what you should be doing. This is what God is telling us, the New Testament Christians, what we should be doing. And to put away your excuses, and to put away your idols, because you forfeit the grace when you keep them, and go into your city and preach the word. Go. Go into all nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you to the end of time. That is the message, and I hope you take that to heart. Thanks for your time.